reawaken us uh, through this scripture in particular. Lord, help us to be able to encounter you. I have woken up while preparing this. I have seen uh, more of who you are and you have enlightened me. And I pray that in this same text, you would do likewise for everybody here. Let us not read your word and come away unaffected, our lives unchanged. Lord, help us to become more and more in alignment with Jesus Christ every day and every opportunity that we have. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm going to use this. Cool. What would you do for $100,000? You can do a lot with 100K. Ivan, wherever you are, it's a couple more Mustangs, mate. Yep, yep. (laughs) One for Anne, another one just to look at. There are a few mortgages, I suspect, that could do with $100,000, making them just a touch smaller. It's unfortunate that most of that would go to the fees for just adding too much at one time. Gardens and houses being made over, and you can actually pay someone else to do it uh, rather than waiting for your husband to do it. Lots of those DIY projects sitting in the backyards. Ladies, you can pay someone to do them rather than, uh, you know, one day they'll get done. And of course, as we're all good, faithful Christians, uh, the church will, um, you'll naturally give 10% of that to the church, uh, and we'll get to go to Bali for our next staff meeting. Uh, you know, for cultural experiences. Uh, $100,000 is certainly very appealing. But what would you do to, en- what would you endure to get that type of money? What would you put up with? If someone came up to you right now and said, I've got the cash in hand, it is yours. If you take your mobile phone out of your pocket, no backing up and smash it on the floor right now, would you do it? There's a few nods. Absolutely. Absolutely. Think of the mobile phone you could get with 100k. What about, uh, actually one of the guys, I put this to one of the guys at college, and he said not only would he smash his phone, but he'd do it with his own face for $100,000. What about pain? How much pain would you be willing to endure for 100k? How many blows? What would it be worth to you? Well, I have an opportunity for you this morning because in this envelope is 100,000 smackers. You can see it's, um, you know, it's relatively thick for, you know, 100,000. It doesn't look that impressive, but there's 100,000 smackers in this. And anyone that comes up in the next three seconds and smashes their phone at my feet can have everything that is within this envelope. One, two, three. I'm not surprised. (laughs) What stopped you? A moment ago, we all said, yes, we'd 100% smash our phones at the feet of the person that would do that. You don't believe me. Yeah, yeah, good call, because this is Monopoly money. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm glad, because if someone had smashed their phones, it would have been very awkward. You knew it wasn't the real deal. You knew it wasn't legitimate. I mean, uh, first of all, you can look at me. I'm not wearing brand name clothing. You've seen the car that I drive. Some of you have seen my house. 
you know what I do for a job. I don't have $100,000 to give away. Um, and if I did have $100,000, I wouldn't give it away. Uh, I'd, yeah, I've got my own bills to pay. The people, uh, we knew that this wasn't the real deal. But if it had been the real deal, if you had been assured that this was a guaranteed offer of $100,000 for your phone, which is a maximum of, what, 1500 you would have smashed it easily. But you needed to be reassured that it was the real deal to endure the cost. Well, the people that received the letter of Hebrews were also suffering the cost for the prize of new life in Christ. Hebrews 10 tells us that their payment was instead of a phone imprisonment, uh, it was the loss of property, insults and abuse. This is the cost they paid. And in the beginning, they actually happily endured it and they endured it well. But then over time, like us, they began to question, is this the real deal? Is Jesus the real deal? Is what he's offering the real deal? And as they began to question it, actually the appeal of sticking it out, the appeal of enduring this pain became more costly and actually not worth it. And they began to question whether they would remain Christian at all. Suddenly the cost wasn't worth it and they didn't want to trade their lives for monopoly money. And neither do you and I, right? We may not have suffered the same costs as the people who received this letter, but we've still tasted those bitter waters, the cost of being Christian. And like the price of petrol, that cost is guaranteed to only go up. Things are going to get harder. What does this mean for us? But also, what does this mean for the next generation, for our kids? How are they going to endure the cost of being Christian when it gets harder and harder and harder? They're going to pay the cost at school, at sports clubs. Sometimes it'll be to their face, probably a lot of it behind their backs, social media. What is going to give them the strength to endure all of this? How do we endure all of this? What is going to help us endure this cost that we are paying? Well, Jesus' offer, we already know, is new life, eternal life. It's liberty, it's freedom, and it is a great deal. You can do a lot with eternity, better than $100,000. But in order for our, us and for our kids to endure the cost, they must be assured that it is the real deal. It is substantial and is going to happen. Hebrews 8, which is what we're going to go through today, so if you've got your phone, that's the place to go, affirms us, uh, for us, that Jesus' offer is the real deal in the fact that he is the high priest. It does this first by speaking of where he is in the heavenly place, in the heavenly temple. Then it speaks of what he is doing to build our trust that he is going to deliver this real deal. And thirdly, he speaks of what he has achieved, the new covenant, the promise, the prize that is worth enduring everything for. And all of these things weave together to assure us that the offer that Jesus is making, the offer of salvation, is indeed the real deal and worth suffering for, worth enduring for. 
So our first point this morning, the whereabouts of Jesus, the location of where he is. Now this is important because Jesus as a high priest has a role that is bound to being in a temple. In particular, their role was in stepping before Yahweh, before the Lord, entering into the Holy of Holies and making offerings and gifts before him on behalf of the people, rectifying sin, communicating back and forth. This is what set the high priest apart from everybody else, his location, where he was before the Lord in the temple. And he wouldn't have been able to do this role if he hadn't been in the right place. So where he is, is important. A few years ago, Kat and I were in Cambodia with the family and as you do in a third world country, you go to the marketplace to pick up authentic brand name clothing. I came away with some Tommy Hilfiger shirts, they fit my shoulders and stopped halfway down my arm, which is fine, I just rolled up the sleeves for four or five years. Uh, They're clearly just a very different shape to Australians. Did I question the authenticity of these shirts? No, I did not question whether these were authentic or not. You don't buy an $80 shirt in a marketplace that has Hessian sacks for walls. They were not the real deal. It was not a real deal location. But Jesus is the real deal high place because of where he is. He is not selling salvation from within his trench coat like a dodgy watch salesman. He is not selling salvation from within the holies of holies that has Hessian sacks for walls and cheap priced clothing in the corner. He's not even doing it from within a temple that is lined with gold, like in Solomon's day. Where is he doing it from? Well, Hebrews 8, one verse, uh, 8 verses 1 to 2 says this, Now the main point in what we are saying is this, We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens a minister in the sanctuary and the true tent that the Lord and not any mortal has set up. So this is not a location that is built with earthly materials. It's not built by the hands of man, but is fashioned instead by the hands of the Lord. It's not a place that he pops into now and then like the uh, the high priests of old, hoping to survive once a year to encounter the Lord and then leave again. Instead, he has a permanent residence in the Holy of Holies before the Lord in this heavenly temple. Not just a sanctuary either. This is the sanctuary. Verse 5 of chapter 8 says this, They offer worship... This is talking about the temples on earth. In a sanctuary that is a sketch and a shadow of the heavenly one. For Moses, when he was about to erect the tent, was warned, see that you make everything in accordance to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. It was the place of the high priest to dwell in the temple, to be in the presence of God. And Jesus is in the temple upon which all other temples are modelled. The temple of the uh, Israel of old is like kids building pillow forts and blanket forts in comparison to real houses. 
so much more real is the temple of heaven in comparison to what was done on earth. Even the temple of Solomon, which was built with gold and skill beyond what we know now, from floor to ceiling, is still considered just a shadow of what is available in heaven. And that was one of the wonders of the world. Even that temple, just a shadow, compared to the place where Jesus is now. For us, this means credibility. Do you go to the doctor that operates in a back alley? No, you'll die in the back alley. You go to the one that has a clinic, the one that can help you. If you want to see uh, Jesus as the real deal high priest, the one who is actually going to go before God and really solve the problem, you go to the guy who's in the real temple, not the ones that are built with pillows and blankets. Look at where he is. He is in the real temple, the real deal temple. And in that temple, our second point, is what he is doing there. He's doing the real, the real deal work of a high priest because if he isn't doing that work, how can we trust that what he has offered is actually going to achieve what he said it would? Have you ever been to Macca's and ordered a burger? You pop open that cardboard container expecting what is arguably a fairly average burger. HJ's, way better. But if you find... Uh, that actually when you pop it open, it's a burger by name only. I've often opened them up and you find that you've got a bun on the bottom, another one on the side, there's lettuce everywhere and there's no meat to be found at all. This is not what I ordered. They haven't delivered. They haven't done the real work. I've taken that burger back and you wonder, what in the world are they doing back there? They said that they were going to give me a burger. That's what I have endured and paid for. And what I've been delivered is a salad with unusually large croutons. <laughs> and then you begin to wonder, are they now spitting on my burger? But it looked a little bit better, so I still ate it. It is important that Jesus is not just in the real deal location, but that he's doing the real deal work of a high priest. I, for one, don't want to have to take my salvation back for a refund. Hebrews 8, 3 to 6 says this, For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Hence it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They offer worship, worship in a sanctuary that is a sketch and a shadow of the heavenly one. For Moses, when he was about to erect the tent, was warned, see that you make, it, uh, make everything in accordance to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. But Jesus has now obtained a more excellent ministry. And to that decree, degree, he is a mediator of a better covenant, which has been enacted through better promises. The text reassures us, doesn't it? That Jesus is doing the real deal work of a high priest. He is about offering gifts and sacrifices before the Lord. But in verse 4, we see that it actually elevates Jesus above every other high priest on earth, ever. 
He can't even do the work that he is doing on earth. He needs to be in heaven. Were he on earth, he wouldn't even be considered a high priest. He can't do what is necessary to be done. It needs to be in the right location for this to be possible. Now, my kids enjoy playing mums and dads and doctors. This is very similar because if you were to be sick and need a doctor and my kids offered to render their services to you, you would come away just as sick, if not worse. They were pretending. They're not actually achieving anything. But Jesus is not pretending to do the work or offering up sacrifices that aren't actually achieving anything. Instead, He is offering up what is really needed, the sacrifice that is making the difference, and it is Himself. We can trust Jesus. He is doing the real deal work of a high priest. And we can trust that this is not a burger that we are going to need to return, but a salvation that we get to instead gorge ourselves upon. That is, of course, the third point, because not only is Jesus the real deal in where he is and what he is doing, but in what he has achieved. Now, my daughter Ella enjoys making perfume. All that's required is a bucket, a bit of water, and whatever flora and fauna she can find that is loosely scattered in the backyard. Flowers, grass, bugs. Thank goodness we don't have a dog. And then on top of that, on top of all those interesting aromas, it's left in a muggy cubby for five days to ferment and develop its unique pungent aroma. And by the time it's done, even she wants nothing to do with it. It gets tipped out and restarted. Now, this is important. This is the most important point that we're going to come across this morning. Because it's not just important that the real work's being done or the real location is being done, but what a result is being achieved in the end. Even if Ella had a lab and all the training that was required to produce the perfume she desires, if the result stinks, she still hasn't achieved anything. But Jesus is achieving the real covenant. Verses 7 to 13 of chapter 8 say this, For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need to look for a second one. God finds faults with them when He says, The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their ancestors on the day when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant, and so I had no concern for them, says the Lord. This is the covenant that I will make with them, with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they shall not teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, for I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, he has made the first one obsolete, and what is obsolete and growing old will soon disappear. 
the first thing to point out in this text is that the first covenant was insufficient before Jesus. The first covenant, the promises and the laws that Moses received to try and fix everything did not cut the mustard. The people still rebelled. There was still disunity in the relationship between the Lord and his people. The perfume was not as pleasing as it should have been. The achievement was not the real deal. It is not something that was worth enduring for because it didn't achieve what it should have. However, the covenant that Jesus has achieved has succeeded because he is the real deal high priest. The people will be obedient. The laws of God will be written on their hearts and on their minds and they will be a covenant people. The relationship mended between God. He will be their God and they will be his people. Their knowledge and understanding of God and one another will mark them as unique covenant people in this world and in the life to come. For the Jews receiving this letter, they would have been amazed. After a history of promises that have not yet come to pass, of a people becoming a people that will be like no other known before. Yet they still went into exile and are still waiting for the king that they were promised would come. But this covenant, this new covenant, achieves all of those promises that they have been waiting so long for. New life. It is a prize that is beyond comparison. And for us too, and for our kids, it is the promise of an end for the need of suffering, the end of a need to endure, the end of suffering and hardship and isolation. This is no promise that looks like a dodgy shirt or a hamburger. It's not even $100,000 and all the promises and hopes that come with that. This is transformation. This is eternal life. This is liberty and hope and it is all given through grace. This is the real deal covenant achieved by the real deal high priest, Jesus Christ. In closing this morning, the message of Hebrews chapter 8 is to reassure us that the promises that Jesus has made to us while we endure in this life are the real deal. They are the things that we are going to hold on to and pass on to the next generation, that what Jesus is offering is not pretend. It's because of where he is, what he is doing, and what he has achieved that we can endure so much more. We are assured of his credibility because of where he is in the heavenly temple. We can trust him because of what he is offering as sacrifice. And finally, all of this is important because of what he has achieved in that process, the new covenant. One that is successful in its salvation, a covenant that is worth suffering for. And it is in this 
assurance that Jesus is the real deal, that we continue to communicate this to ourselves and to our children for the future. If we hold on to the reality of the covenant offer that is to come, and if this is what we are living and teaching our kids, then we will go a long way in our endurance in Christianity. So long as we hold on to this and we place our faith in Him, it's not just important that we believe it's the real deal, but we must be willing to smash our phones over it so that we may enter into glory. It is Christ as the real deal high priest that suffering becomes worth enduring. And I pray today that this message has given you more assurance of how real the offer of Christ is. Let's pray. Father, we give thanks. Lord Jesus, we give thanks because of what you have done. Throughout this entire passage, we have seen nothing of what humanity needs to do to make this a real deal except place our faith in everything that you've done. Lord, I pray that for us here that are believers, Lord, that we would be reassured this morning and in the days to come of how real the offer is that you are making, that as we perceive and think about eternity and the life to come, Lord, that certain reality would fix this in our minds, that it would sink deeply and we would be assured, yes, this is my life. This is where I'm going. I can endure anything knowing that at the end of the day, we will be in glory with Jesus. I give thanks that we step forward out of church. We step forward into this work, into our workplaces, into our homes, into our families and all those mix of relationships and complications, Lord, knowing that we are assured of the promises of Jesus Christ being real. And Lord, for anyone here that doesn't know you, Lord, that even this morning they would have taken an understanding of the levels to which you work for them that you love them and that they would be willing to place their faith and smash their phone at the foot of the cross to lay their lives down at the foot of the cross knowing that they are going to gain so much more in eternity and be with you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.